ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening thank you for downloading and thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 kyle podcast i'm 12 kyle check this out (laughs) on this podcast what we're gonna do is we're talking about the three p no we're not talking about sports but in the sports reference of a three-peat and what i mean by that is that when you have a three-peat in sports that means you've won the championship three consecutive years but this time we're applying it to music now if you've been following the podcast you know that we've done some three-peats on some artists and their first three albums and this podcast will be no different this episode we are talking about outcast as we take a look at their first three albums southern playlistic cadillac music at aliens and equimini and i've got a special co-host my man king germ from the frocast podcast is with me in the building so sit tight after the break we will present to you Three P, Outcast, here on the Twelve Kyle Podcast. Let's get it. And just like that, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it's your boy Twelve Kyle. This is the Twelve Kyle Podcast, and we are talking about the Three P. If you're if you've been following the podcast, you know that uh, we've done a few of these um, three people where we go through three albums from a particular artist. And we kind of view it like like from the sports angle. Uh, it's a championship. And, and then we'll we'll come back and come around after we break it down and just talk about, you know, what we liked or maybe what we didn't like about these particular albums. Um but you see the headline. You see we have a guest in the building. Well, he's really not a guest. He is one half of the almighty Frocast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my man, King Germ. Germ, what up, baby? What's going on, Kyle, man? Thank you for having me again, man. I'm over here in these, the plush 12 Kyle podcast <laughs> uh, studio, man. Y'all should feel the leather. Is this Italian leather, 12 Kyle? This, this shit is plush, man. <laughs> this is amazing. Amazing. I mean, whoo. 12 Kyle know how to treat the guests, man. So how y'all doing, man? How you doing? Man, glad to have you on here, man. And got and gotta thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, uh episode five, 450, 454. 454, yes. Yeah, 454 the podcast, man, with you and Queen Germ, your love Queen Germ, your lovely wife. Um, man, I had a ball. I had a ball. I could not stop laughing. If you did not get a chance to check that podcast, I'll make sure that you check out that podcast as well as all of their other podcasts. Uh, matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell tell you guys about his podcast. John, why don't you tell the people who don't know about your podcast wh- when you guys drop in the whole nine? Oh man, well I got a little podcast called the Frocast. Uh, man, we drop every yeah, little podcast. <laughs> man, you know we drop every Friday. You know on all DSPs. Um, so we out there on all of them. It's just me and my wife, man. We just talk about you know current events, situations. You know, if you really like to hear like. <clears throat> I'm going to put you in the mind of uh, a black married couple that you see on TV or something like, yeah, it's just like, it's like that. And we know we just keep it, you know, we keep it real. 
you know, for the most part, you know. So most of the shit it be real arguments. It's no none of the shit is phony. Like, <laughs> but yeah, y'all real. <laughs> but we have a good time, man. We have a good time though, you know. And you don't have to be married to appreciate the the nah, not at all. The, 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 the exchanges that go back and forth. Just real good people, man. One of my favorite podcasts. Period. No matter yeah. what. So make sure that you check out the Frocast. Like I said, every Friday. Hey, they don't miss a beat now. They're, they're there every Friday. They ain't taking no weeks off. They're not doing seasons. I mean, you know, no knock on anyone who does, but yeah, yeah. German and Queen Germ, they're there every Friday. So you can get your earful uh, in the podcast. Usually runs, you guys run about hour 15, hour 20 minutes. Yeah, now. yeah. We, we don't try keeping that long. We like the people at church, man. We don't try to keep you in that long, <laughs> man. You know, just, you know. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Jerm, I had to get you back on, man. And, and like I said, if you've been following the podcast, you've heard Jerm on here before. I know we uh, Jerm's been on before. We talked about uh, Jordans on one podcast, the Air Jordans. Uh, we talked about left-handed cigarettes on one yes, podcast. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and Jerm's been <laughs> mostly talking because I don't know much about left-handed cigarettes. But, um yeah, man. So on this one, we're 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 going to talk about the three peat, and this particular artist that we're going to talk about is none other than Outkast. Uh, Outkast's first three albums, uh, if you don't know, they are the first one was Southern Playlist at Cadillac Music, the second one uh, AT Aliens, and the third Aquemini. So now, if you've been following the podcast, you know this is a little different than what I normally do when I'm breaking down albums who have turned 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years old. Um, so I got Germ on here. So let's let's go ahead and get it started, man. Uh, the first of the three-peats. You got, before you win two championships, you got to win one. So Outkast's first championship was Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music. Um, that album dropped April 26, 1994. It was produced by Organized Noise. It was obviously certified platinum. Um, so let's go back. Germ, where were you in April of 1994? Oh, man, April 94. I was probably, I was about to turn 16 that year. Young Buck. And, uh, yes, yes, Young Buck. And um, I remember being at the mall. Uh, like, my birthday's May 11th. So okay. just so happened to be at the mall, you know, we was at the tape store because, you know, Walking with grandma, I said, hey, grandma's walk to the tape store. And they was just taking Outkast out of the damn box. And I was just like, oh, shit, that's that group that got players ball. That's that. Oh, shit, I got to get it. So I was like, grandma, can you please give me an early birthday gift? And, you know, she, you know, little, little talking, little co- convincing. She bought me this tape. Then I was like, well, grandma, you know, she's like, well, let's go get your Walkman. She me a Walkman. Oh, wow. So that, so that, so that, hey, that was my early birthday gift. And when I got, the, when I tell you, I let that tape rock till my tape pop. That's what I did with mm. that first album with with, with uh, Southern Playlistic. That, that that album, it really changed me as a person. Like it just, it, it kind of that album shaped me. Like it, at that time in life, when I heard that, it was something that I really related to. Mm-hmm. Southern, legitimate Southern hip hop. Like not no shit that I had to be shame of. <laughs> that you know what I'm saying. Like you know that I like. Any of my friends say that shit. Like oh, you like that shit. Like I mean, right. yeah. But this right here, I was like, you cannot deny these guys. I said, you cannot deny these guys. And 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 it just really, it made me proud to be from the South when this album dropped right here. It really did. No doubt, no doubt, man. I totally understand and feel where you're coming from. Um, for me, April 26, 1994, 
I know exactly where I was, or at least around that time, I was getting ready for Freaknik. <laughs> <laughs> I was a college student at South Carolina State University, Germ. He did um, it. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to start a 12-cow challenge. Every time he mentions this university, y'all have to take a shot. I'm just, that's the 12-cow challenge. Hey, that's some uh, that's adults can do. They're safe and you know it's not embarrassing. Hey, but <laughs> man, I'm a school man, I'm, I'm a proud bulldog man. So yeah, I was I was at South Carolina State University. I had come to Atlanta uh, for Freaknik and came down here and lost my ever loving mind. And um, that following week, uh, this album came out, and um, I remember hearing you know like you said uh, the single players ball and I mean obviously that was you know hot in the streets but um I just remember going and buying the tape and when I bought the tape man I, I just I could not stop playing it it was something that man just really resonated with me and not just me but all of my friends because we finally had somebody that looked like us that kind of sounded like us that wasn't really and you know trying to cater to New York or LA or whatever the case may be. They were just them, their authentic selves. And uh, it was dope, man. It was really, really dope. And I remember buying that tape. And then the funny thing was, I think I had the tape germ for, I might've had it for a month. And then the tape came up missing. So mm. you know what I did? Went and bought the CD. Mm. <laughs> so Outkast got my money. And you know, CDs weren't, I was a broke college student. So it was a lot for me to go drop $10 on that CD, man, but I had to have it. Mm. Um, and obviously, like I mentioned earlier, the singles that were released, Players Ball, uh, Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music, which was the uh, title track, and then Get Up, Get Out. Um, now, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but give me a couple of things that you think what made them outstanding on this particular album. Okay, outstanding, I would say just representing the South uh given a good picture of southern hip hop. Like like it, it like I said, they legitimized it in my eyes. Like that's why I was just like so they legitimized Southern hip hop on this album. Um it was new wave. It was something we never heard before. Like nobody from South it was new to us. And I mean it, I, mean, I could go on for days about this album. <laughs> you just like this if I if I could go anywhere on the planet and if I had to be on an island, this would be one of the albums I take with me because it's it has so many, it has a special place in my heart. So it's so many nice things I can say about this album, but it, I, I can't say enough about it. it, it it's just, it's one of those uh, 12 I'm almost I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking <laughs> about it because it just brings back that much nostalgia. Like Young Germ was like, this album take me, man. Mm -hmm. Like it was... It, it meant so much. I bought this album eleven times, man. Wow! Like I'm, I'm, I'm like I got a copy right now that's never been opened, like a CD. Are you but serious? Yes, yes. Wow. I bought this album because I always like every time something I'm missing that because I remember on the CD it had like the little uh, what was the drawing on it? The uh, the half naked woman. Yes, with the colors going around it, mm -hmm. right? She was yes, yes. So and I remember it kept coming up missing, so I buy another one. So one day I said, Look, I, I bought one. I say I ain't even never open this one. You know, in the age of streaming, so I never had to open it. So that's okay, why I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, so I still had that one closed up. Like I was just like, I bought this that's the most bought album I've of all my albums. Never bought one more than eleven times. I'm sorry. I, I bought Illmatic five times and that's because my friends kept stealing it from me. <clears throat> but but I have I currently have two copies of the, of the uh, Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music CD in my house right now. I still have two copies. 
of of the CDs, man. That's that's dope, man. Eleven, yeah, eleven. Golly, wow. Yep. Um, see what made them outstanding on this album, much like what you said, man. It one they were from the south, yes. and you know I came up in an era where I just I loved hip hop and graduated, excuse me, gravitated toward hip hop. But you know, obviously, the hip hop that I grew up on, there was nobody coming from the south. And then mm-hmm. when we finally did have southern acts. Uh, it was, you know, obviously Ghetto Boys and then Luke and Two Live Crew. And then right before Outkast uh, was uh, UGK, Underground Kings out of Houston. But there was nobody from this area or whatever the case may be. I'm from South Carolina, so it was definitely nobody from South Carolina. But, you know, Atlanta really wasn't like a place that was hidden musically at that particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they definitely put the South on the map. Um, and like I said, they, they looked like us. Like they, when you heard them, when, when you would hear them talk, they sounded like some Southern dudes. Like they, they sounded country, you know, yes. and, and they made it cool to be country. Cause at that particular time, like you weren't going to get any type of airplay or acceptance, you know, above the Mason Dixon line, you know, as far as music was concerned. So, uh, much like, you know, un, un I, I should say, unlike the boys, unlike, UGK, unlike Luke, you know, Outkast was probably the first group that I can remember from the South that wasn't regional. Like their success wasn't regional. When Outkast blew, they blew across the country. You know, eventually, it it, it didn't happen overnight, but you know, eventually, you know, success, success and everything helped propel them to you know out of the stratosphere. Um, didn't that kind of make you angry when they did that? When they got like, I was just like, man, this was our <laughs> thing. Y'all not supposed to like. Like, I was okay with nobody not liking Outkast, but us in the South. Like, I was super okay with that. Like, I was just. Well, like, you know what? You know, I think that's very typical of hip hop fans. Yeah, I think that's very. You know, you want your artists and the, the people that you really, really identify with to stay with you. It's like almost that thing where you have. Um, like let's say a, a really dope underground MC, you want him to stay underground. The minute that he or she makes a hit that makes it to the charts and they start getting play on BET and, and, and MTV, you're like, oh man, you know, now the masses have mm-hmm. them now. So you, you don't really want to share them with everybody else. So I totally feel where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, but they were ours, man. They were ours. They yeah. represented us. And, and I mean, like I said, I was in school at the time. I, by the time that I left Freaknik, I knew I was coming to Atlanta. <laughs> so I, I'd already made up my mind. I'm moving to Atlanta. I mean, I fell, I fell in love 20 times in one weekend. So I wasn't mean, that a three stacks verse. <laughs> it might've been. He said something about come down for free nigga. Then next thing you want to move to Atlanta. Yeah, I, I, that's, I, true. I, that's true, man. I mean, like I, and I, I did a podcast on it. It was, Freak Nick was everything. And I mean, like, yeah. just to hear these guys at that particular time, and it was just, it was a great movement and it was a great wave. And they literally, opened the door for Atlanta. And, and and it was one of the reasons why I moved here in 1997 and been here ever since. And and, and I don't think anybody, I think we all can recognize the, the dominance that Atlanta has had over hip hop over the last 15, 20 years. It would not have happened had Outkast not, you know, opened the door. Well, I, I can't even say they opened the door. They really kicked the door down, to be honest. Um, as far as Southern playlists, the Cadillac music, the album, What's your favorite track on the album? Uh, get Up, Get Out. Okay. Uh, okay. Get Up, Get Out is my favorite because it was my alarm clock song. It came <laughs> on every day. 
So every day when I woke up, get up, get out came on for about mm, seven years. Mm. So from the time I was 16 to the time I moved out of my house, that's what my alarm clock song was. Wow. So yeah. Get Up, Get Out is my favorite song on the album. Okay. Yes. Okay. For me, I-, I will say the same. Get Up, Get Out is my favorite track on the album. Um, once I saw the video, I was like, yo, I'm, I, 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 I mean, like I was already hooked, but, you know, everybody was on there was just, you know, busting, man. It, w- it was just great to see Southern MCs just go at it like that. Um Spit some real stuff, relatable. Oh, no, no like it, it no wasn't. Question. It was just like spit relatable rhymes. Like, I mean, come on, man. CeeLo, I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and say CeeLo probably had the best verse on yeah, the song. Like, did. I mean, hands down, <laughs> CeeLo C- 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 killed it. Man. Yeah, he did. He did. Shout out to CeeLo with that dope verse. Um, what about the song that you could have without? Um, now this is a tough one for me. Um. Technically, I would say the interlude, but I love the Peaches interlude because Peaches' voice, I used to be like, I used to be in love with her. I used to be like, man, I got to get me a Georgia girl. Boy, they talk like like That's what I was just so. <laughs> And you got you a Georgia girl. Yeah, it's funny how the world work out like that, but <laughs> shh, don't tell her that. Don't tell her, her the inspiration was. <laughs> right, right, right. But a song I could have did without, um... How you pulling teeth here, Cal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go with Funky Ride, even though it's not a song, but technically it is a yeah, song. Baby. But I like Funky Ride, right. you know what I'm saying? But if you want to go um, to answer the question, I go with Funky Ride. You know what, man? Funky Ride was a joint that I probably didn't appreciate back then, but mm-hmm. I do now. And like back then, I might have, I'm depending on my mood, I might have skipped it or I might have just, but now I'm letting it ride because I want to hear it. Um, song I could have done without was Deep. <gasps> yeah, Deep, Deep is okay. It's not. <sighs> but that was, that was the introduction to ATLians. That right, was like. Right. But see, was, you, you got to understand. So we didn't have the context of having yeah, ATLians. Yeah, okay. So I got you. Now, I got now you. it makes, now Deep makes sense, but I, I'm going kind of back off of what I felt at the time. If I had to get rid of one song in 1994, um, yeah, I'd probably say Deep. And you're yeah. right. Deep, where Deep leaves off at is where ATLians picks up at, which is the second championship. And we'll get to that in just a second. But yeah, I, I could have, I that's the one song I could have done without was Deep. And it wasn't, it's not, and it's not like it's a bad song. And, and it's a song, when I listen to it now, I'm definitely letting it, letting it ride. But I, I'd probably say back then, I probably skip it. Um, championship moment, winning the Source Award as the best newcomer in hip hop, and of course that was when famously Outkast uh, at the 1995 Source Awards, the the audience thought that Biggie should have won, and they subsequently booed the hell out of Outkast. Um, that being said, I I think that was their championship moment. Um. How, I know you touched on it a little earlier. How, how did this al- album impact you? Um, like like I said earlier, it shaped me. It it it, it basically it gave me pride to be so. It made me proud to be Southern. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you know when we was just dominated with the New York influence, it was something never felt right to me about accepting that New York way. Because I like, we live down south, and we go up there <laughs> talking like this, they're gonna be like, "You country?" Like you know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> I just was always like, I'm not with that New York stuff. Like, I'm never on the pair of Tim's, none of that. Oh, you know what I'm saying? 
I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm the country dude walking down the street in the snow and tennis shoes. That's me. But um, like I said, this album me. It uh, made me proud to be southern, and it uh, just I don't know, man, it made me see like it gave me game. Like it, it was all of that. It was just it. This is an important album in my life. Like it's it's part of the storybook of Germ. This would be on there. Like one of them albums. No doubt, no doubt. And I echo some of those same sentiments, man. I think what was interesting was was that for the first time I saw cats I could relate to in hip hop. You know, mm. right now as much as I idolize Run DMC, Tribe Called Quest, I could never be those guys because I didn't necessarily live the lifestyle that they lived or lived where they lived. You know, I could live vicariously through Ice Cube, you know, and, and learn more about South Central LA, but I you know, I, I had never been there before, you know, other than his music. But I had been to Atlanta and been able to see some of the things that they had talked about been able to ride on some of the streets that they talked about and that made a difference so it was definitely more relatable and i finally had some and again no and there's no disrespect to you know ghettoys or luke you know or ugk for that matter but i really could relate to you know outcast a whole lot more and relatively speaking they were right around the same age as i was maybe i was a couple of years older so they weren't like that much younger than me um then we move to the second championship. The second championship, AT Aliens. Um, this album dropped August 27, 1996. Also produced by Organized Noise, Outcast themselves, Mr. DJ. This album went double platinum. So, Germ, where were you August 27, 1996? Oh man, I had just graduated from high school, like you know, a couple months prior. Okay, I was working at Cone Mills. Cone Mills was this textile plant, um, you know that you know basically where you go and just say, "Hey, throw your hands in the air," and say, "I give up," you know. <laughs> and and I was in that process of like, you know, I, I was eighteen. I'm working at the mill. I'm making good money. You know, Outcast album coming out. And, you know, now album came out, it, it, man. So I was working at the mill, and that's why I had to make my decision. Like, do you want to go to school or do you want to be a working nigga the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. And so that's the process. That's where I was at that time in August of 96 mm-hmm. when that album dropped. No doubt, no doubt. But I had money to go buy me a brand new speaker system <laughs> when this album came out because I had said job. you had a job. <laughs> yes, right, right. sir. I'm talking about big, the big CD changer, you know, back in 96. Like, I was like, oh. Wait, wait, did you have the 10, the 10 joint or the 6 joint? Oh, it was the 6. You okay. know, the 10 okay. went out. Hey, Kyle, it was 96 okay, now. Okay. Right, right, yeah, right. you know, the 10 was probably about four, five hundred dollars man. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I, I remember having the six disc change in my car. You couldn't tell me shit. <laughs> hey, yeah, it was I had them uh, Vegas speakers hooked up to it, and oh, with the little wow. coy stick, the little Servant Vegas stick speakers, wow. so it had some thump to it. <laughs> I'm gonna take you back. I had a, a six disc changer, and it was up under my under my driver's seat. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> in my Nissan Sentra, <laughs> sitting <in> thirteens. <laughs> but I keep them clean though. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, August 27, 1996, I was was still at South Carolina State University and I was trying to graduate. Uh, I would be graduating uh, in a few months in December of 1996, but I remember that summer distinctly because I had completed playing football, so I was about to enter my fifth year at South Carolina State University, and there was no football, so there was only just, you know, me and my my studies just to finish up, you know, my uh, my time at SC State, 
And uh, this album came out that summer just as we were getting ready to go back to school. I remember that distinctly. Going down, um, I went to the Prince of Orange Mall to buy the CD. And I bought it and um, just banging it in the car. I remember just sitting in the parking lot. I ain't even. I didn't even go straight to the crib. I, I just sat and listened to the first run in the parking lot. Um, and obviously the singles that were released, uh, Elevators, Me and You, uh, AT Aliens, the title track, and Jazzy Bell. Um, now, Jerm, what, what, what do you think made them outstanding on this particular album? Uh, the growth, um, not just with them musically, but them lyrically. Um, the sound changed. Um, it was just like, oh, you thought we were just about pimping hoes and slamming Cadillac <laughs> doors? No, nigga. Come strap in for this one. You know what I'm saying? Um, and also, it was just like, they just they, they just remained, like, they even got colder to me on this one. Like, to me, A.T. Ellings is their hardest album. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, just with what they saying, like, Andre said in Jazzy Bell, a line that resonates to this day and most of the girls we liked in high school now they dyking like i was just like wow like i mean when i heard that in 96 it didn't make no sense to me but now i'm on facebook and at 40 and i'm like wow andre said this right, right, like right. he said fat titties turn to teardrops fat ass turn lab and i'm yeah, just looking right. at some of these girls that we used to and i'm just like whoa andre said this in a song he you know what i'm saying it. so yeah so it was just like just the just the the fortune telling on that song, the foretelling, whatever that word I'm looking for. Yes, that. <laughs> mm, mm, no doubt, so. no doubt. Um, yeah, man, I, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I think the growth you could hear the growth in both of them as far as their rhymes. Uh, they I think by the second album, Big Boy had a child. Yep, and. Dre, I think, was dating or he he was either dating or he had just broken up with a uh, um, young lady from the group Total, the R&B group Total. And um, so you could hear the growth. You could hear that they weren't talking and rapping about the same things. Um, and I remember when the Elevators video dropped and Dre had that turban on. Mm. And it's like, I'll never forget it, man. He had that turban on. And I want to say, like, let's say the video dropped on Monday. By the time Saturday hit and we went to the club, man, I saw at least five dudes in the club with turbans on. Hey, I was one of those guys. (laughs) Hey, once I found out they was at the beauty supply store, oh, man, I had all different colors. I'm talking about I had them to match all things, bro. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Don't say say it ain't so, Jerm. What? Man, listen, I couldn't wait till Friday night came for me to go to the football game. Because, you know, like I said, I worked at the mill. I got money. I'm fresh out of high school. I'm about to go to my old high school game. I had my turban on, bro. Everybody looking like I had a Michigan. I will never forget. I had a Michigan football jersey on. The amazing gold. The the dark dark blue. And and I had a dark blue turban on with it. And some Barry Sanders Nikes on. I will never forget. And and look, I had the football gloves before Puffy and Mace did it. Before (laughs) Puffy and Mace did it. I had the football gloves on because I remember at halftime, my cousin seen me because he was playing. He was like, hey, let me get them gloves. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, you actually playing. Nah, I'm just wearing these for style. <laughs> like, So, wow. yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's what's up, man. Oh, man. I think um, I think, you know, like you said, it's just they they had style. Um, I also remember some Outkast fans, not a lot, but some Outkast fans giving some pushback on this album like they didn't like the direction that they were going they were just like oh man wait a minute now you know you you open up the album cover and it's this cartoon 
and it's showing them like and they're talking to aliens and it's all spaced out and everything like so it's like wait a minute we went from you know brave jerseys and ball caps on the first album to this guy got a turban on and you know they got this <clears throat> alien in a cartoon and all of this stuff like, like what what so for some people not like i said not a lot but for some fans like it was too much for them and i do i i distinctly remember one dude that i went to school with when he heard the album he's like man i ain't fucking with outcast no more <laughs> and i was like huh he's like I, he's like man this ain't this ain't what i want he wanted them to be the same on the second album as they were on Southern Playlist and Cadillac Music. And honestly, they just weren't, you know, in that space anymore. Like I said, they they were both maturing. Um, but yeah, th- those are some of the, I think, that stood out on the album. You could hear the growth. You saw the growth. You saw that these guys were starting to be trendsetters. Because uh, like I said, when I went to the club and I saw somebody on a college campus who had not been wearing a turban at any point <laughs> before, all of a sudden, the the album, the, the video comes out on Monday. You see it on Rap City. You see it on, on uh, MTV. And then the next thing you know, on Saturday, you got a turban on your head. Nah, man. I'm not. I'm, come on, man. Who are you fooling? Um, I mean, hey, man. Come on, Kyle. <laughs> influence, man. The influence. I, mean, yeah, I see it now. I see it now. And, and I mean, that, well, just, that just it wasn't who they are. What are you saying? Hey, look. So, so, so you telling me. When young Cal stepped on the South Carolina State campus mm-hmm. with his pants on backwards because crisscross did it. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> never. never. I ne- it's, it's funny. My daughter was just, we were, we were just having this conversation yesterday about Chris. We were in the car and uh, I never listened to the radio. I just happened to turn the radio on and Chris and Jump was on. And she was like, yeah, daddy, those, those are guys that wore their, cl- their pants on backwards. I said, yeah, they, they will wear their clothes on backwards. And she stopped for a second. I was looking in the rearview mirror. And she said, "Did you ever wear your clothes back?" So I was like, "No." <laughs> like, no, I was not going to do that. Um, so yeah, as far as ATLs, man, what's your favorite track on the album? Uh, well, I'm gonna go with my favorite track is uh, it's got to be the quintessential Outcast song. If you were from an alien or you never heard of Outcast, you say, "Hey man, play me a song that describes Outcast." I would play Elevators. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just because I think that song like shows you what Outcast is about. It shows skill, shows creativity. It, it, it's just like I think that's the quintessential song. Like that's their, you know, that's on their you know, the best song they got mm-hmm. overall. But that's my favorite song on the album because it just, it was re- literally me, my cousin, and his <laughs> and his cousin rolling down the street with his mama. And like, so when that shit came out, like going to the game one time, it, we was listening to the song and I was like, it was like me, you, your mama, and my cousin too. And it was just like, we weren't rolling down the street on foes or nothing, but, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it was just funny. So, oh, yeah. no doubt. Man, I think, um, let's see, my favorite track, I gotta say, and this, this is kind of hard for me because I love so many of the tracks on the album, but um, I'd probably say Wheels of Steel, mm. um, just the scratching and everything, and just how they were rapping, man. That that still is one of my favorite tracks. Uh, it's the favorite track on the album, um, not necessarily the best track, but it's it's definitely the favorite track. Um, so and when they do that at a concert, it's pretty dope too. Oh, I ain't mean to break in, no, no, but no, like when right. they do Wheels of Steel and they had the DJ yes. get his little turn and be yes. cutting it, it's like that's a good one to see at the show. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm glad, and I'm glad I saw them in concert and I saw them perform that 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 actual song. Um, 
so conversely, what song would have done without on this album? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, taking out the intro because it's an intro. Mm-hmm. Song wise, I'm gonna go with I think it's Millennium. Okay. The one he- when he was like, come on, like what? Huh? I mean, but that's what I said. Picking, you know, if I could, you know, I just feel like they could have cut a beat was kind of lazy, and it was just like the hook was super lazy. But it was that's the one I could just do without me. And it's not saying it's a bad song at all because on the with Outcast on their first three albums, I really don't think they had any bad songs. But they're still a worse song even doing right with a classic album. It's just, I mean, it's a bad song with Illmatic. What's the worst song? I'm not saying it's a bad song, but it's just the worst song on that album. So right. you know, you're right. And we we've taught me and Eclectic we talked about that where. You know, it, even on a classic album, you're gonna have you, you're gonna have a song that probably just did or is not, yeah. you know, to your liking or whatever, the, whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it, it could just be sequence and it come out to a really mm-hmm. great song like a letdown. It might be a good song, but you just like, man, after that song it just went off and now this come on, ah, uh, you know, and it's just <laughs> it could just be anything. So it's just not, you know, people oh. get upset when you say, oh, you said they got a bad song. Right, that's right, a classic right. album. Right. Yeah, you gonna have, you you still gonna have a bad song, but it doesn't matter. Yes. Um. Let's see, song I could do without um, extra extraterrestrial, et, mm-hmm. um, and it, it could be because, like you said, I was cool with Millennium, and extraterrestrial comes right behind Millennium, so <laughs> I think once I heard it out of this, where are you at? I was just like, uh, yeah, it's real slow, like it's the beat, yeah, yeah it's, it's just real slow, melodic. It, it it's not a bad song. It's just it's one I. If they had not put it on the album, I'd have been cool. You know, it mm-hmm. wouldn't have been no big for me. Um, I have here as far as their championship moment. I think the release of Elevators as a single was one of their championship moments on this album because this literally sounded and felt like something that we had not seen or heard in hip hop before. And it was melodic. It was something that was catchy. But, you know, even if you get past the hook, Dre and Big Boy are spitting. (laughs) Yes, sir. It's not like nowadays where you have, you know, a catchy hook and then ain't nobody rhyming about nothing. No, Dre and Big Boy are actually spitting on this track. So I I had that. um, I had that as their championship moment. And I found it interesting that um, was this. I think it was late last year at the time of the boarding. Uh, they did this thing on uh, was it MTV? It might have been VH1. Uh, the six greatest songs, six like most impactful songs in hip hop history. Uh, it was something that was done by uh, uh, Questlove and um, Black Thought of the Roots, and this song was one of them. Uh, Elevators uh, of all the hip hop songs, they broke it down to six songs. This was one of the six tracks that made um, their list as far as greatest hip hop songs ever. Uh, so how did how did this particular album impact you as well? Um, that it kind of opened my mind up to see that that first album, what I thought it what I thought it was or thought they were about that. They let me know that like they way deeper than this. And that let me know, like, 
shit, Germ, you got to be more than that, too. So it's just like I grew with them on this album because they're only like like two, maybe two or three years older than me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So uh, so it's like I grew with them and even like my mind state changed with them. And I saw that it was like I said, big. I think Big Boy had a child by this time. Mm-hmm. I think Bamboo was born. No, Bamboo was not because he didn't come through to snake on you. Uh, so I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it was just like I, I matured more with this album. It's just so they did too. Sound wise, musically, like I, I, cause at first I was one of those Outcast fans. Like, hold on, <laughs> like I wasn't expecting this. Cause when Elevators first dropped, I was like, okay, okay, I kind of, I kind of dig it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it's different. It's the second album. And then you know when I got the actual album, I listened to it. Like first listen, I was like, oh no, man, this it ain't. I was on the fence, and then I just kept listening because I said, nah, it's something about this group. I fucks with them, so mm. I kept listening. Then it just it, you know opened my mind up, and I saw like, oh, this greatness, this greatness. And so no doubt, yeah. no doubt, yeah, I, I I feel you on that. I think um, I think for me that this album impacted me in a sense because, like I said, I was about to graduate from college, so from August all the way through December, this was one of the soundtracks that got played every single day. I mean, it didn't matter. And you can ask anybody who was around me at the time, if you were my, you can ask my girl, but it was not my wife. Uh, I would play this. We had an apartment off campus. I played this in the apartment. I would play this on the way to campus, going to class. I played riding home. I would play it all the time. And it's something that never, and even to this day, it's an album that never got old for me. And it's always something where, like, when I listen to Outkast now, in particular, I always listen to these three albums together. Like, I never I never just say, okay, hey, I'm going to listen to AT Aliens today. It's never that. It's always, oh, I'm going to run all three of these albums. I might run, you know, the third album first, and then the second album, then the first album. I may do it like that, or I may go you know, in chronological order, but it's just this album impacted me because this was a critical time in my life as far as, you know, about to being able to graduate from college and kind of figuring out, okay, what you want to do. And like I said, by that time, I had my eyes set on Atlanta. So <laughs> this was like uh, just really uh, a prelude as to what was to come for me. Um, then we get to the third championship. That would be Aquemini. Uh, this album dropped September 29th, 1998. Also produced by Organized Noise, Outcast themselves, and Mr. DJ. Um, according to the wiki, this album went double platinum, but I think this album went triple platinum. I'm not exactly sure, but let's just say triple platinum. Um, Sounds better. I know, right? So, uh, Germ, September 29th, 1998. Where were you when this album dropped? <sighs> Oh, funny story. All right. So albums used to come out on Tuesdays. I know shocking people. I know shocking. You know, we used to have to wait to Tuesday, Monday night at like, well, no. Yeah. Like midnight. Right. You start getting albums. So I didn't get paid till Wednesday. And on that day, Hard Knock Life Volume 2 and uh, Outkast came out. So we was at Willie's Records in Greensboro, North Carolina. And it was just like I was in line and the lady just assumed that I wanted fucking Jay-Z's album because they had a stack of Jay-Z albums and a stack of Outkast albums. So she just assumed I wanted Jay-Z because, you know, everybody in that line. So she just went ahead and put the Jay-Z down and said, ah, I want the Outkast. But the funny story, I had the money, but my homeboy Nesto, God bless the dead, he was like, I tell you what, he said, uh, 
Because he wanted the Jay-Z, I want the Outkast. But I was like, look, man, if I'm going to pay you back, I might as well get the Outkast instead of buying the Jay-Z. And I just, you know, buy you the Jay-Z tomorrow and get paid. So he was like, cool. So I copped the album after I tell the lady, nope, I want the Outkast. So she gave me the Outkast. We go sit in the parking lot. I pop the CD in my car. We rolling up. Soon as the fucking first song come on, Return of the Gangster, I said, oh, this is a five mic album right here. Like soon, soon as I heard the first doom doom, soon I said whoa, I said whoa, I said this is a five mic album right here. So I mean I knew it because I was like the source didn't shit of these boys on they five two times because I think they got a four and a half mm-hmm. the first two albums. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so I said the source didn't shit of these boys. I said but soon as I heard this one, I said this is a five mic album. Soon as I heard it, mm-hmm. and we sat there and listened to the whole album in its entirety. Without leaving the parking lot from the uh, the record store, and I was blown away by this album. Blown away. Wow, wow, man, blown away. That that is the key phrase. September 29th, nineteen ninety eight. By this time, I had moved to Atlanta. Uh, was young, single, had a pocket full of money, and um, I, I was I was enjoying it. And I mean, like when this. It is really hard to describe f- to people who weren't here. I mean, I- I'll put a germ, and for those of you listening, when the album came out, the day that the album came out, there's a hip-hop station here. It's, it's called Hot 107.9 now, but I think at the time it was 97.5. They played the album on the air in its entirety. Mm. And when I tell you, you had to go everywhere you had to wherever you went to get the album you had to make sure that they had copies there because there were places that were literally selling out and i'm not talking about your little mom and pop stores i'm talking about like a place like best buy who might get i don't know 100 cds like if you didn't get that album that week man probably the first couple of days there were best buys that were sold out it was like no you you gotta you gotta come back come back next week yeah and and here's the thing you listening that they may be a little bit younger to understand if you went to a record store, you went to a Best Buy or someplace like that, and they were sold out, like, imagine your best friend getting the album, and you don't have it, and you've got to wait, and you have no timetable as to when, you know, you'll be able to get it. It's mind-boggling when you think about it, and and it's really inconceivable for those who, you know, can open up their Spotify or, you know, title or whatever the case may be, or Apple Music, and just press a button. You can hear any song that you want to hear, but... You know, this album was was so critical, man. I, I just remember going to Best Buy, getting it, and I remember a line at Best Buy, <laughs> long ass line at Buy, and um, I just remember playing it, and I just kept playing it and playing it, and it was just like, much like you, Germ. I mean, you knew when you heard it that it was a smash, and it was it was better than the last, it was better than the first, and it was just like, okay, like I don't understand what's about to happen. And then we, you know, we got word about the accolades, and, and I'll get into that in just a second, as far as the, what the album got. So, um, the singles that were released: uh, Rosa Parks, "Skew It on the Barbie" featuring Raekwon, and "The Art of Storytelling" Part One. Um, so, what made them outstanding on this particular album? Okay, uh, it seems like on this album they had mastered their sound like mm-hmm. this was prime outcast it seemed like they were hitting on all the accords it seemed like what one didn't say the other one did and so every song they did felt like a complete song it was just like it was it was like they were they were like 
a basketball team that been playing together for years. They just they knew where everybody would be at on mm-hmm. the floor. It was just like perfect timing. It's just like they didn't miss on this album right here. It was it was just it was the refined outcast. It was like this is at the top of the game. And I'm gonna say this. 12 Cal is not telling the truth about how Atlanta was during the time when Outkast was out. Like this was like they, these, this was a good time in Atlanta. Like when Outkast albums like from 94 to that 2000 period, like man, like Atlanta was a really a magical place then. So he's he's very he underselling it right now. I'm just going to let y'all know that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it it is one of those things, man, where I try to put it in the words as best I can, but it, for those of us who've been here a while or, or for the people who are originally from here, it's what you call old Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do a podcast at some point on old Atlanta, but this was old Atlanta. I mean, like it was when I literally, you could not go anywhere and not hear this album. It was just, it was incredible. It was everywhere. And I think one of the things that made this album so special and what made the standing on this album is that, they did such a great job of representing the city, you know, is, and, and I don't want to, and at the time Atlanta was starting to bubble, you know, as far as the music scene was concerned here, but like they put on for the city in no way. I think that anybody could for their particular city because, you know, there weren't, you know, New York is different, you know, obviously LA is different because, you know, obviously they're bigger places and they're more, they have, they have an established music history. Well, Atlanta's music history wasn't that long and Atlanta's hip hop history was even shorter. And here these here these here they are, you know, standing at the forefront and they literally put the city on their back and they represented the city so well, man. It was just it was crazy. I mean like you literally could not anywhere if you're walking on the street you heard this album. If you were in the clubs you heard this album. And I mean I'm talking like in the clubs they would be playing B sides. Like they would be playing songs that normally wouldn't even get played on the radio. And they were just so beloved and uh and they really like i said they they did a great job of putting the city on the map um this album for me just on a personal note is one of my favorite albums of all time like period in any genre mm. and i, I never get, never get tired of playing and it, it's it's just incredible um this might this next question might be a little bit hard for you favorite track on this album um Favorite track, I would say Equimini, just with the mm. depth of the song, how deep it is, and the visual, just like both of them. I mean, that song there, because once you, when you thought it was over and that shit came back on your ass, like the first time hearing that, I was just like, man, I... I if, if I was at church or something, that's when you stand up and just, just <laughs> you just walk off like we, we you know, in that person, man. That's when I just like, man, this, this, they, these boys and done it again. I think that's song number five, I believe, and so. By song five, when they did that on the Quimini, I was just like, yeah, yep, man. Did, did, did. Five. Yeah, so that that song there, yeah, that's when, that's by far. I ain't going to say by far, yeah, far, because that, that song there is just, it's just so deep. Because I was messing with a girl, she was like a Nuwabian or something, or stu- <laughs> trying to be a Nuwabian at that time. So she really made me study that out. Oh man, you know the people that uh, they they had like a compound down in Eaton, Georgia, where they had the pyramid and all that oh, stuff. It's okay. like a... I don't know, it, man. It's wild story. That's a that's a whole nother twelve cow podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have to get back on to talk about that. Um, yeah, I think, man, it, it was. Um, oh, another thing I forgot to mention that made him outstanding was when you get to uh, the second track, "Return of the G." I thought was what was interesting there was 
you hear them actually address a lot of the rumors and innuendo that was, you know, being piltered out into the streets. You know, mm. people were wondering, especially by the time the second album came out, well, man, what's up with Andre? Yep. You know, like, is he on a cult? Is he in a cult? Is he on drugs? Is he gay? And those are things that kind of flow around. And it, it felt good to hear them actually address that kind of stuff. And people were, you know, in big boys, they're like, yo, you, you should be leaving the group. Like, you know, this this dude about to make the group go crazy or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people didn't understand their friendship and, and how close they are. And we also got to see the differences in Dre and Big Boy by the time this album came. Um, one of the things that this album was p- promoted as, uh, it was called The Pimp and the Poet. And Ooh. that's really who Dre and Big Boy were. You know, at that yep. particular time, you know, Andre was this artsy and craft, you know, <laughs> arts and craft kind of guy. And yep. Big Boy was the street guy. And so, yeah, it, it, it you could see the blend of the two. And then just them addressing that on that particular track was outstanding to me. Um, so favorite track. Uh, <laughs> favorite track. I'm a little biased on this track. And it's uh, Dude on the Barbie featuring Raekwon. And the reason why I'm I'm gonna say I'm I'm biased is because of the video. Mm. I was at the video. I was. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you how they. Did. So if you you listening? You're familiar with the video. If you're not familiar with the video, put it pull it up on YouTube. So Outcast is filming this video and for Skewed on the Barbie featuring Raekwon, and it's gonna be at the House of Blues downtown. Uh, it was called the Tackle, and so. Like what happened was they just came on the radio one day, like Dre and Big Boy were in the studio. They came in the radio. They said, hey, if y'all want to be in the video, come to the Tabernacle today at five o'clock. And literally everybody spent the Tabernacle that day. And we got in and like, you know, you there were people in the balcony area and stuff like that. People on the floor. I was on the floor, but the camera didn't get me. Or maybe they did, but they didn't show. Um. I was right there at the front and they ran through the video. I want to say three times and that's all that they did. And that probably took maybe about two or three hours and that was it. And then when, when I, I never forget when Raekwon came out, man, people, the chicks lost their mind. They were going crazy. And I thought that was interesting because like at the time, you know, you really didn't see a lot of New York rappers rapping with Southern rappers. Like that was mm-hmm. unheard of. And for Ray to jump on it, I was a, Big Raekwon, still am a big Raekwon fan. Um, for him to get, jump on that track and then for them to be busting on that track, I thought it was crazy. But um, yeah, that's my favorite track because I was at the video and literally, like I said, they they just came on the radio and just said, hey, if you want to be in the video, we're shooting at the Tabernacle at 5 o'clock and like I said, half Atlanta showed up and and, it, and they turned a lot of people away. I mm. just happened to get there early. But um that that was dope. So I, I would say skew it on a Barbie for me only because it's sentimental because I was actually in the video. Um, conversely, what song could you have done without on this album? I'm going to get killed. For, only one answer. I'm going to get killed for this one. <laughs> Rosa Parks. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I mean, even though like a concert wise, it's a fun song, mm-hmm. but 
I mean, if it wasn't on the album, it wouldn't change it. It wouldn't. I don't think it made the album any better. I don't think it made the album any worse. So okay. if you took it off, I, I wouldn't. I don't think it was the, the 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 dynamics of the album if you took Rosa Parks off. Okay, okay. Um, for me, there's only one answer. Um, you better not say it, Quell Kyle. You better not say it. Mama I know what you're gonna say. Mama Sita is awful. No, it's not. <laughs> that song is. That's, that is. Now you mentioned Outkast didn't make any bad songs. That's a bad song. I that's, absolutely hate that song. Kyle, that's a, one of Andre hardest verses. Yeah, but the Mama Sita, oh my gosh, it's awful. <laughs> the hook is awful. It's awful, I, man. That was like this album was like the first time we had some people outside of the DF on the album, and I don't know who uh, Masada. I don't know who She's she is. Awful. Did she ever rap again after I, this song? I don't know. I don't know if they picked her up at the, maybe they found her at the tabernacle. Maybe she was standing next to me at the tabernacle and they let her rap on the album. I don't know. <laughs> she she was awful. That hook is awful. Mahogany queen teeth. I mean, okay, so I, I mean I I, I don't know, man. They, they, I, I'm, they I'm on the fence with Mama Cita, man. Girl, I love that song. Let me tell you <laughs> at the time, they could have gotten Okay, if you wanted a female MC, you could have gotten uh, Tion or, uh, or Chili. Uh, who's Tion? Who's Tion? T Boz. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I forgot. I know. See, see, celebrities. You called her by her real name. I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I donh, don't know her person. I just call her Tion for some reason. Yeah, because you know her. Twelve. I mean, you know her, man. Come on, man. Just like. <laughs> you, just, you just had the Outcast video shoot. You called T Boz by her first name. I'm sure you called Jay Sean too. You'd be like, hey Sean. Oh, oh, I mean <laughs> Boy, you stupid. Oh man, that's funny. Um but yeah, I, I they could have found another female MC if they she was god awful. Oh my god. And maybe I, she I, won the contest and that was her prize. Man, to I, I'll put it like this. I, for me. And I can't speak for anybody else. I just, I have to be in a good mood to want to actually listen to that song. Because every time it's a skip for me. And like wow. I, like we mentioned earlier, have a five, five mic album and it could have a skip or two on it. And that is my one skip on this album. I do not want to hear that. I get what you're saying about Rosa Parks. And there's some people that probably don't necessarily cater to Rosa Parks just because you know of its airplay and maybe people got tired of it or whatever the case may be, I can. I but get I like that. I, yeah, I like the song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I met Egyptian and she hit me like he. I, I like I like what he was saying. Like, right. they, but it's like yeah, yeah. Like the Nathaniel song when dude rapping from jail. That shit hard. Yeah, that's like, hard. <laughs> oh, he was going off and like he was you killing said, it. <laughs> like you said, I mean, Dre's verse on Mama Sita is dope. It's a dope verse. I just can't get past the hook. It's just, oh my gosh, she is just awful. <laughs> Shout out to, uh, what's her name again? Masada or Masada. something like that. Masada, if, you, if you're listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the, the, the championship moment for Aquemini was, like Germ said a little earlier, finally achieving the vaunted uh, five mic rating in the Source magazine. Um, just to explain briefly for you guys who may not have been around or may not have been outside to get a five mic rating in the source was damn near impossible at that particular time Uh, to be a Southern rap act and get that was virtually impossible because keep in mind that 
it's it was voted on by the staff at the source. So it's not like if it's like if, if I'm the one that's reviewing the album and I say, oh, it's five mics and Germ is my coworker and Germ's like, OK, well, hey, I agree. And me and Germ say it's like they had to go through like 20 people to get this five mic rating. And so and <laughs> in typical, you know, sign of the times fashion, normally when we would hear that an album might be getting a five mic uh, in the source, there was usually a bomb threat at the source. Like people literally, (laughs) I mean, of course you can't do that now, but people literally would call the source and threaten to blow up the building if this particular album got a five mic rating. People took it that serious. It's not like how it is on Twitter now where you can just voice your opinion and people go back and forth with you and get mad. I mean, like they literally would threaten to blow up the building because (laughs) this particular particular artist is about to get five mics. Um, so yeah, just wanted to give you guys some context about that. Uh, so yeah, Germ, this particular album, how did this one affect you? Oh man, uh, again, more maturity. Uh, it just showed me depth and to read between the lines. Like, you know, it was just more than words at this point with Outkast for me because you know I was one of them Outkast stands. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was like. I was, uh, I, I, it made me really open my mind reading other books and stuff that was related to what things they were talking about. So, and, you know, it, it didn't help. Like I said, I was messing with the new Wabi and chick. So, you know, it, it was, think think of uh, the, the hoteps, the, the people that be standing on the corners yelling and shit at you and stuff. Like, it's kind okay. of, it's like, yeah, it, it's in the vein of that. But uh, yeah, this album right here, it, it really, it, it, it more maturity, more growth, more like just showing me. It's power in words. Like, I mean, Outkast just that like, this album blew me away. Like I was only twenty when this album came out. Mm. So I was I was just like, Wow, I got a lot more growing to do, buddy. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you ain't seen nothing yet, pal. Man. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. This album this album impacted me in so many ways, man. Like you said, it it was about growth. It was about, you know, really just seeing these guys kind of come full circle and all of the successes that came with this album. Uh, we celebrated it because, you know, and I felt even more closer to this album because I was here in Atlanta at the time. You know, like, like mm-hmm. I said, Jeremy, it, old Atlanta at that particular time, man, it was it was a vibe, man, just to be here and be in the city with when this happened, when this album dropped. And like I said, it, it it's unheard of to hear a radio station say, "Hey, we're going to play your we album so much, we're going to play it in its entirety uh, for the next hour." You know commercial free and you know dj would pop in and talk a little bit but you know like that was just unheard of um it also showed like where andre and and big boy were as far as like where they were as men and then we saw them even striking out even more you know because by the time they started touring for this album you know dre was showing up in whatever i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) he might have some shoulder pads he might he was on some prints. Marching band yeah, outfit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like he was he was getting even more crazier. And I wanna say by the time they started recording this album, I wanna say he was dating Erica Badu at the time. Oh, oh, oh most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was talking about in Rosa Parks. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was um it was just beautiful to see, man. And just, and like I said, seeing them get the love and getting the the accolades and everything that they got for this album, I think it just resonated with me just a little bit more being here at the time. And, you know, it felt like when they won, it felt like we won. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they were like our champions. 
So, um, you know, they'll always be one of my favorite uh, hip hop groups, period, no matter what. Just and like I said, this album is one of my favorite albums, period. Any genre. I never get tired of listening to it. Never. Um, so before we get out of here, Germ, I got one last question for you. OK. We always say this on the three Pete. We need you to rank these albums from, in your opinion, best to worst. I mean, in this case, I don't really know. It's the worst album. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, rank. yeah. From first third. We'll mm-hmm. say first to third. Mm-hmm. Okay, my personal opinion, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go with uh, Equimini first. Uh, AT... <laughs> no, Equimini first, Southern Playlist second, and AT Aliens third. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm going to leave that. Okay, okay. I got to go reverse. I got to go Equimini uh, first. Uh, ATL in second and Southern Playlistic third. And I mean, like, it is like splitting hair for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it is depending on the day. Depending mm-hmm. on the day, two and three mm-hmm. can switch places at any time. Yeah. But I think one, Equimini is the most complete album. Um, uh, ATL is the hardest album, and Southern Playlistic is my favorite album, if that makes any sense makes to anybody out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> it makes total sense. Total you sense, know. bro. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, man. Before we get out of here, man, Jerm, once again, tell the people where they can catch you, where they can catch the podcast, and all of that good stuff. Man, you can catch me out here in these Twitter streets, Procast, at uh, Nappy Afro if you're nasty. Uh, you can catch me on uh, Instagram, as the Procast on Instagram. Um, and uh, every Friday we do a little podcast called The Cast, me and my wife, every Friday. So check us out on all DSPs, and that's about it, man. Mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. Well, I got to thank my man King Germ for coming through. Uh, shout out to Queen Germ. Shout out to the Procast Nation. Uh, and shout out to you all for listening. Uh, thanks again for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle Pies. So for my man, King Germ, I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five G's. If you get a chance to come to the 12 Kyle studio, the, the, the hors d'oeuvres are delicious. This guy. <laughs> <laughs>